1: It's nine minutes after eight, and welcome to the Forum at Eight. Now, many South Africans may have at some point found themselves at the receiving end of a verbal agreement. Now, verbal agreements are often a convenient and commonly used form of contract between people or companies and uh, where the agreement is not necessarily on paper in black and white. However, when a disagreement arises from that verbal agreement, then the case becomes one of one person's word against another so on the forum at eight this morning we look at these verbal agreements and just the effects that it has on lay people in the country do we know how the legal system works when it comes to verbal agreements and thank you so much this morning to um, advocate Jeannie Cavaglio uh, uh, from uh, a labor law expert at uh, Roxo Law Uh, thanks so much for coming through this morning attorney um, advocate uh, Jeannie Cavaglio thanks for coming through
2: Good morning, Zakina. Good morning to your listeners. Just a correction. I'm not an advocate. I'm an attorney. Attorneys are admitted in. Yep. Yes.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Jeannie. Our bad there. Eh? And then Mbali Kumalo. And um, Mbali and um, some of her colleagues, four of them, came through to the SABC last week, yes. if I could just put this into context. And um, they came here because um, they were contract workers at the Helen Joseph Hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, subsequently, the contract was terminated rather unceremoniously after the CEO had promised Mbali and other colleagues permanent employment. Mm -hmm. So maybe Mbali, let's just start um, with you in a nutshell telling us exactly how this transpired.
3: Okay. Good morning, listeners. I'm Bali Kumalo. We were employed by Zibo Holdings, Tibor Holdings is an outsourcing group. We used to work there at Helen Joseph. I myself I was there at Helen Joseph since 2010 and I've been working there since from 2010 at the Falletting private ward. So in 2012 the new CEO came in to Helen Joseph, that is Dr. Mr Dr. Bila. Bila Raymond Bila. So he came in and then fortunately our ward was closed down, the following ward, and we were stepped down and we worked there up until in 2000 and 2014. And then they've added other people. Yeah, is now they are my employees, my colleagues. Yes. And then we worked there and worked there. And then in 2015, they told us to apply for the post. Then we applied for the post for the cleaners, but we were never called. And then they only called our supervisor. She went in to do the in, to interview, and she passed the interview. She went in. She's working at the government now. She's working as a supervisor at Helen Joseph. She's in. She's working there, but we were never called to the interviews up until today. Until. And we took him to to the CCMA, and then he was called to court, but he never
1: went there. So when was this? When did you take the case to the CCMA?
3: Last year, October. Last year, August, sorry. Yes, Mm -hmm. last year, August. We took it to the CCMA, and we went there to the court. And the first time, he never came in, and we were given an award. And then he took that... Back to the city he took he said you won't take us in yes and so now the contract was terminated in December on the 30th so we are sitting at home now unemployed
1: so what was the award of the CCMA
3: the award of the CCMA, it was written that he must take us in because we used to work there so now we are allowed to go there to work as the as the constitutional can say in section one ninety eight A, it says if we work them up for a government section for more than three months, now you are entitled to work there as a permanent person for that for that place.
1: Well, let's bring uh, Jeannie Cavaliu in uh, just to explain this. Uh, Jeannie fortunately, you've had opportunity to look at all the documents um, uh, that um, um, Bali brought in, although it was briefly. and And what were you able to make of this?
2: Yes, um, I I did. It was very brief. Uh, what I can refer to is that um, the award that was granted in the CCMA seems to have been a very thoroughly um, considered award and justification for all the arguments that were finally reached or decisions that were finally reached seem to be very well set out. And in terms of the award, three things happen um, Firstly, because they were employed by an outsourcing company, but in terms of recent amendments to our Labor Relations Act, the outsourcing company together with the inverted commas employer, in other words, the Person or the entity where the employees actually carry their work are now, in terms of law, uh, considered to be jointly and severally liable to the employee. And this has obviously been so as to protect employees because in the past uh, the practice was even made where employers would separately register a close corporation, which would be the employer of the employees, mm. and it had no further assets. So you can understand any unfair labour conduct which, la- which resulted in any rights which the employee could have to get financial redress, there was nothing in that CC. So in this award, um, three very important uh, points are made. First of all, that um, the employees, all of them, the ladies that you have referred to, are deemed um, to be employees of helen Joseph Hospital. So that's that's very important. And from a particular date, meaning the 28th of September 2015, also um, they are deemed to be permanent employees. So that is also very important, despite the fact that they had... Um, fixed-term contracts, and that again is based on an amendment which was brought in terms of the Labor Relations Act quite recently in Section 198A, 3B. And then um, thirdly, they were ordered to treat them as permanent employees, in other words, for Helen Joseph Hospital, Mm. to treat them as permanent employees, Mm. and they were Helen Joseph, together with the outsourcing company, Tsebo Outsourcing Group, PTY Limited, were also ordered to give effect to this. In other words, take them back into work, consider them as permanent employees. Mm. Now, um, the employees are in this most unfortunate situation that um, Helen Joseph have not given effect to the court order. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it appears as if, um, a previous firm of attorneys uh, assisting the employees on a pro bono basis have attempted to persuade hill and joseph to give effect to the court order and the result it seems is that um the um ho- ceo of the hospital uh, has made after a, having a bid adjudication committee meeting says that um they didn't approve uh, any renewal of um, month-to-month arrangement and that that had to be terminated. So that is their side. But the reality but is... But that was done in December. That was after the hearing and I was after the CCMA mm. hearing. And what I wanted to say is at the CCMA hearing, the arbitrator refers to the fact that the defendants or respondents in this matter, Helen Joseph and outsourcing, Tsebo outsourcing were duly notified of the arbitration hearing and Mm -hmm. they failed to attend. So whatever the excuse is, in my opinion, they had an opportunity to raise it at the time of the arbitration hearing. Now that we are that the employees are sitting with an award, the only option that they have is to go to the um, labour court and institute contempt proceedings. And that is usually costly? It is a costly exercise, yes it is, unless they can uh, secure the services of a firm of attorneys who would be prepared to assist them on a pro bono basis.
1: Which is very interesting because, in terms of uh, what that award says, and 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 uh, what Helen Joseph has subsequently done, um, would this mean then uh, whoever takes this up would be then be looking, um, you know, to have what uh, to give effect to that order from the day on which it was issued. So would they then, for example, uh, be back paid? Um, you know, would their appointments be effective as of the date that is stated in the CCMa award? How would it work?
2: In principle, that is what one would do in the content proceedings, would be to um, to ask the court to consider. At this stage, this, this award does not mention that should they not be appointed, that they be given back pay. No monetary amount is referred to here. Mm. So, in essence, one would first of all have to uh, get a court order from the Labour Court in to enforce the terms of this agreement, then one has to execute it. And if Helen Joseph still did not comply, then the next step would be to approach the court again and to try and find some kind of monetary redress which would (coughs) compensate the employees. And um, I must just indicate
1: that we did um, invite Helen Joseph Hospital. They referred us to the Provincial Department of Health. So uh, we are trying to get in touch with them, whether today or at the later stage, we will afford them right of reply on this matter. But um, Mbali, you heard what uh, Jeannie had to say about that. So what is your next cause of
3: action? All what we want. We just want to be permanently employed at Helen Joseph but if they can't do that, then in that matter, that means we have to take other steps, take it to further step.
1: So, so that means going to the labor quarters, Genie, as Jeannie has yes, indicated now. Yes, we will. So, so you have an attorney who would be willing to do this for you pro bono?
3: We are, we are struggling to get an attorney. If we can't get in one who's going to help us with that, because we are unemployed now, we can't afford an attorney.
1: All right, yes. Vali. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and I'm sure you know this one uh, will follow up on and see what uh, the response is from the Housing Department of Health. But of course, it's an open uh, labor line this morning. So if you would actually like to call and, and ask uh, Jeannie Cavaglio some questions, uh, a matter you may have, and uh, especially uh, focusing on verbal agreements this morning, then give us a call on 0891 104 You can also SMS us on the number 347 Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo.
0: SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Okay.
1: It's 23 minutes after 8 and uh, just looking at uh, some of the cases that uh, have come our way, as we said Mbali and her colleagues, they actually walked into our studios and asked to be assisted with this matter and we figured, well, maybe there are many more people who need these sort of services uh, t- uh, and maybe we could be of help this morning. Thank you so much to Jeannie Cavaglio, Labour Law expert uh, from Roxo Law and she's our guest this morning. And Nsantla Kumalo, you're asking for for uh, Jeannie's contact details tell you what we'll give uh, Jeannie's contact details at the end we'll also put them up on our various social media platforms but um, just talking about verbal agreements and uh, that was thrust into the spotlight you know um, quite nicely last week with the Gareth Cliff case Um, because if we look at what happened there um, there wasn't a signature, you know, on a dotted line uh, to say this is what we had agreed upon. But it would seem as though um, there was enough said that were, there was enough done to actually give the impression that he was still employed. And we know how that ended. He ended up winning the case.
2: That is correct. Um, the court in 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 that in in the matter of Gareth's, um Gareth Cliff, it is important to distinguish the fact that they were only approaching the court on an urgent basis to enforce what Gareth um, Cliff argued to be an agreement and the court made its decision based on the conduct of the parties, various emails um, the histor the history of the matter that he and primarily relied for instance on the fact that historically he always finally got a written agreement way into after having started to work as an idols judge um, so the crux of the matter in that matter was the court to analyse the contractual relationship between the parties, if it existed, and if it should be restored. And as you quite correctly said, the court ordered that it be restored. The court didn't look at nor analysed um, the allegation of derogatory um, racial slurs or the lack of them or the validity thereof. Um, All it considered was the circumstantial evidence. Based by emails, by correspondence. And in terms of that, um, the court decided in, Cliff, uh, in Gareth Cliff's um, fa- favour, and bearing in mind that an employment contract can be express, and mm. you can have an express uh, contract even verbally. Or in writing. Obviously it's always better to have it in writing and the basic conditions of employment Act section 29 actually sets out all the information and it uses the word must. But as we all know uh, that doesn't always happen. So a contract must obviously um, can either be express, it can be tacit, mm. or it can be implied. Um, And um, when it comes to being tacit, the court looks at inferred terms. It looks at surrounding circumstances. And in today's world of so much written, an email, um, even a a social media tweet, um, an SMS sent, can further emphasize the existence or non-existence of a contract.
1: And what about a simple expectation on the part of, you know, um, the employee in this instance, where because of the sort of conversations that are going on, you have an expectation at the back of your mind that you will still be employed. Does that
2: play any part? Absolutely correct. Um, expectation is very important and that is one of the surrounding circumstances because each case doesn't, does, there's no hard and fast rule. The court has to look at each, at the facts of each and every case and at the devil is in the detail, obviously. But the expectation is very important and, for instance, the expectation is particularly important in fixed term contracts. Um you know, whether the employee expected that contract to be renewed. Mm. That is one of the crucial issues that the court looks at with regard to fixed-term contracts. In the matter of um, Gareth Cliff, the court concluded that there was, in fact, an agreement between the parties. And when MNET made an announcement that it, it had made a decision not to have Gareth Cliff at the uh, next 2016 idols. It hadn't complied with the terms of what the court found to have been an existing contract. And the court held that, in fact, MNET had not, as it could have done, in terms of what did exist between them, albeit not written, Mm. Formally in a contract, could have given notice to terminate, etc. And the way the court MNet made the announcement um, re-emphasised the fact that there was, in fact, an agreement between them. We, I see, we have
1: calls, but I'm I'm loath to go to them, given that we're fast coming up to news time. So so, so maybe we'll just hold them over until after the news break. Uh, but uh, just sticking to the issue of uh, fixed term contracts. Um, if is there any obligation on the part of the employer because the fixed term contract will stipulate, you know, the time for which um, this uh, employee will be employed uh, at a certain entity? So, in that case, do they have any obligation to engage the employee prior to that contract running out? It
2: depends on the terms of the contract. Each if the the fixed term contract is a three month period, if it extends beyond a three month period, there' various exceptions in the rules, and i don't want to go technical, but if it is renewed beyond three months, it is deemed to be a indefinite term contract, and that is what happened in the case study that you referred to earlier, mm. and the uh, the employees were deemed to be permanent employees. So if the employer wants to remain within the limits of the three months, there's various things which the contract of employment must say. It must say that there's no expectation of renewal. It must clarify everything very, very clearly. And if there isn't a written such fixed-term contract, then I'm afraid for the employer he's in more murky water than actually the employee.
1: Very interesting, I must say. And we are on an open labour line this morning and uh, our focus to this point has been on verbal agreements and we had earlier case study with Mbali Kumalo and her colleagues um, who had uh, the situation with Helen Joseph Hospital and as we'd indicated, uh, we were trying to get in touch with uh, the um, Gauteng Department of Health because that's whom uh, the Helen Joseph uh, Hospital referred us to. So, as I said, whether it be today or at a later stage, we'll afford them right of reply but just on that before we go back to the lines a few quick questions from listeners regarding um Mbali's case Um, this one says if Helen Joseph or the contracting company have no posts is it correct for employment to be forced on the other party
2: well the employer has an opportunity of reply and the employer hasn't the Employer had a CCMA hearing and had an opportunity to to enter into these proceedings and they didn't we don 't know what the version is of the employer and, then, and, and and the employer the important thing is our Court recognizes every single person's right to a fair hearing and a right of reply. And that is why no judgment in this country ever, whether it's in a lower court, in a CSCMA, is taken uh, without the other party being notified to attend and to put his case forward. And the employer in this case did not do so, neither the outsourcing company nor Helen Joseph. And I we don't know what their version is. Mm. And if we are presented with, those ver- with that version of the facts, then the arbitrator would have had an, a benefit of an opportunity to adjudicate what to decide in a situation such as that. He wasn't given that opportunity because the employer did not attend.
1: Mzwandi Lespu says, what, uh, what if the ladies just institute a civil
2: suit? Is that an option? Yes, you could, but you'd have to look. It. This is a very complex matter. There is a lot of legislation involved, including procurement policies at, at the health department. But ultimately, that would be an option. Yes, she's quite correct.
1: Well, I believe we have uh, the MEC uh, for Health in Gauteng, Taitani uh, Masango, on the line to us. Uh, MEC, good morning and thanks for speaking to us the, uh, here.
4: Good morning, Sakina, and thanks for allowing me to speak to you.
1: I'm not sure how much of this you've actually heard, MEC.
4: Okay, so what I understood to have been the case, the employer, the employees we're talking about, and let me clarify that, we used to have what you call for Latin words in um, Helen, Joseph, and Charlotte, and the only for Latin words we still have is that... Uh, Charlotte McGregor, as you speak. The Helen Joseph for that thing is we gain all of those. We have then taken the space and we use it for a general treatment of all patients across the hospital, whether they have medical aid or not. So in the in the instance of these workers in particular we're talking about, they were employed not by the Department of Health, but they were employed by a company which was doing cleaning and, and all of those things to Helen Joseph, at, at Helen Joseph's. When then uh, we took a decision to no longer do the following as it was before, uh, to do uh, to extend services like neurosurgical and many other things that we're doing, including having uh, not increase the number of beds for step uh, level one and two, uh, it was necessary for us to utilize those beds for those purposes. As a result, uh, we, we we done away with the following one. So the workers. The process was then each and every worker who has an interest in applying to be part of the uh, hospital uh, full-time employee, become a civil servant, has a right to do so post-advertise. I and, and understand that some employees have been employ- employed and some did not apply, despite the fact that they were encouraged to apply. Then there was a process that ended up in, in the CCMA, and as far as I understand, the, 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 the judgment in the CMA was granted without the Department of Health being present. Where things stand now. They were waiting for a, um, a date at the Labour Court for us uh, to go and, and get this matter reviewed because the adjustment was issued uh, without us. Our interest, uh, let me clarify that, the official position of the department, that every worker who, on based on merits, and I want to, an operative work based on merits, because indeed we need cleaners, we need uh, people who work in the kitchen, we need the porters, we need everybody, and those services are core and key. Um, but it's important that when, as and when posts are available, people apply because we have, in some instances, people who have been volunteering, people who have been doing this and associated with the hospital, that everybody is given an opportunity to apply and, and go through the interviews and all of that. And including this group of people we're talking about, they all have to be subjected to that process. So let's read what the Labour Court is saying our commitment is that as and when posts that get available, will give every employee an opportunity, but people must apply. It can be that you're working for a company X, which are contracted to the department, all of a sudden that contract no longer exists, and you, want you think automatically you can be employed by the department. It cannot be correct.
1: Um MC, you say um this was done on merit um Bali earlier indicated that they had applied they were not called for interviews so um again she is in studio so maybe she can clarify that for you Mbali?
3: Yes thank you on that MC we did apply and they told us that our 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 applications were not successfully but we were never called in for us to be can interviewed. You call for an interview? No, we were never called in.
4: Well, I don't know what the criteria they were looking for, so I wouldn't be knowing the nitty of that, so I can ask the CEO to give us all the facts and all of those things, who applied, uh, why they employed X or Y, so we'll will get to the details of all of that, and we can give Sakina everything, or you give yourself a, a, a feedback as to why we were you not shortlisted, why you didn't make it in the interview in the first place.
1: Okay. MEC, is yeah. there a reason or, or why Mbali uh, was or wasn't served with an application for review of that CCMA award? I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. Uh, was there any reason why Mbali and her colleagues were or were not served with an application for a review of the CCMA award?
4: Well because i don't think the matter has been has uh, been given date by the uh, labor court as yet to for a matter to be to, to be had, but I know that there's, there's a process within the department working with Helen Joseph that is uh, dealing with this matter. I'm sure at an appropriate time they will be given uh, the documents
1: I just want to bring Ginny Cavalo in here Ginny
2: yes um I just would like to mention two aspects here, and that is where Bali and her colleagues stand is there is an award which she's mm-hmm. entitled to enforce. And yes. it's, an aw- it's an award that was already granted on the 28th of August 2015. And from correspondence, I did pick up that um, the... Um, Employer Helen Joseph and Teppel Outsourcing were aware of this award right way back then. If we consider that it's almost six months it transpired Mm -hmm. and um, the um, uh, health department or Helen Um, Joseph... um, um.
1: Um, the MEC. the MEC. MEC
2: mentions that um, she's awaiting a court date in respect of an intended rev- or a review application, as I understand it. But as I further understand it, and as I indicated to you earlier, no party may approach the court ever. Without notifying the other person first. So one would have expected, and that is what the process requires, you bring an application on notice of motion with an accompanying affidavit and you notify all the parties affected by the remedy that you are asking the court to adjudicate on. And then there's a whole process where, formal, where the the other party has an opportunity of reply, also by way of affidavit, and only much, much later... Does the court, is the court approached to give a date when the matter is ripe to be adjudicated on? So I don't understand when the MEC is saying that they are awaiting a court date. They cannot be awaiting a court date if the parties have not yet been notified. And at this stage, what the internal procedures are at the Department of Health, is really no business of the employees. They sit with an award and they're entitled to enforce it. If there are other factors which the court must consider, then I would have expected that um, the MEC and the Department of Health, or Helen Joseph, will, do with n- will take the necessary steps with haste to approach the Labour Court. MEC?
4: But let me first explain that we, we will never disregard any court um, uh, judgment of one kind or the other in South Africa. And I think uh, the fact that we've got legislation that defends the workers' rights is something that we will stand by. And it's probably, you may not be aware, the public service regulation legislation gives the responsibility of labor issues. A particular appointment and all of those uh, to the executing authority to happen to be the NECO, or any politician in that regard. So therefore, um, it's in our best interest to make sure that this matter is amicably uh, um, resolved. And and I think the 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 the, the, the what the CMA would have uh, uh, concluded on in the matter that is being raised. As I said, Eli, that the, the, the decision taken was taken in the absence of the department uh, being present on, on that particular day. That's the first point. Second, but why was the uh, department the absent? Some, but let me explain this. Secondly, the workers' concerned they are not employed by the Department of Health. They work, they work in the Department of Health via a service provider. So and I think it's important to clarify that. Our commitment, as I said, it's important to make sure that at any given point in time, We, um, when uh, the post gets available, we are in a position to make sure that uh, people who are ready to do those things, uh, to to, to be appointed, are appointed, those who have applied. Of course, someone, the lady was explaining that she applied or never, and we'll investigate all of the things, and we'll engage with them. And I would like to leave the matter at that because I'm not involved in any difficulties. I was just clarifying what would have happened, uh, what would have been a misunderstanding on the issues concerned. So if you want to have a further debate on this matter, we can take it another day.
1: Well, um, that's where the MEC is going to leave it, Ketani Masangu, and that's her, but she says uh, if we want to engage further on this matter at a later date, um, we welcome to do so, but not at the moment. But you want to respond to what she said there.
2: Yes, I, I do, and I'm sorry if she's off the line already. I think it is a travesty, a serious travesty of injustice to actually hide behind whatever it is, the doings at the Department of Health and prejudice the employees as a result. The CCMA never proceeds with a matter and make a decision on by default unless it is satisfied that the respondents are duly notified. But be that as it may, that is an aspect which If the Department of Health brings an application for review, it will have an opportunity to address and let the court look at it. My big gripe in defence of the employees is that since August, and we are now looking at almost, is it six months? There has been absolutely no redress for the employees. If the Department of Health feels that in any way this decision is wrong, or that it needs to be reviewed, as the MEC said, or that it needs to go on appeal, whatever, the MEC, the Department of Health, being full aware of the existence of this matter, has done nothing. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is inexcusable. Well, we're
1: going to park that one. We're going to go to the lines, 0891-104208. Aubrey, you calling from PE. Good morning. Hello. Yes, Aubrey.
0: Yes, uh, Sakina. Sakina, you see the, the Mbali story is, is one of many stories that is happening in this country about these labour brokers. And the only advice I can give to Mbali now for them to go out of this mess they are in is to consult the people's lawyer, Talimpofa. I think you will help them a lot, Sakina.
4: Thanks.
1: Thank you, Aubrey NPE PE. Let's hear from Sam in Cape Town. Sam, thank
4: you so much for your patience. Uh, thanks, Sakina. My question is if, if the agreement is signed and filled between the parties and the agreement states that it's is a three-year agreement, the salary of the people will be increased based on the salary that they earn at the end of financial year. It's three financial years. So in the first financial year, at the end of the first financial year, the salary increase will be based on your salary that you're earning at that time. And you happen to work in different departments during the end of financial year. And in the middle of financial uh, of the next financial year, your salary gets reduced To the new department that you find yourself in, Mm -hmm. how one deals with that in terms of the law.
1: So you want to know whether your salary increment then should be based on your uh, previous salary in the previous department or that of the new department? Yes. Okay, Sam. We'll get an answer for you. Um, thank you so much, Sam. Jeannie, perhaps if you could just briefly, uh, t- uh give an answer to
2: Sam there. Um, unfortunately, Sam was not very clear. Um, it it, it really rem- everything that the employer does has to be done within the four corners of the agreement, and it suggests he suggests there is a written agreement. Mm. Um, insofar as he must receive a salary reduction, that to me. I've never seen an agreement that makes provision for that. And in the absence of that a provision, that is actually then one would term as a unilateral uh, variation of the agreement, and that is unfair labour practice. And he definitely has the remedy to institute a grievance procedure in the workplace, and if not, to approach the CCMA as an unfair labour practice without a doubt. What if
1: uh, Sam um, and Aubrey, rather, and his em- employer had uh, decided jointly that instead of perhaps him being retrenched or anything like that, he would take a salary reduction? So then uh, perhaps it changes uh, that dynamic. But then the question is should his salary increment then um, at the end of that financial year be based on what he started out with, or should it be
2: based on? what he is currently earning. I hear your question quite clearly. Um, If there was a mutual agreement on the reduction of his salary by being transferred to another department, his salary increment would be, if he's entitled to a salary increment, and that again depends on the terms as agreed between the parties, it would be based on his new salary.
1: Thank you so much for that. Let's go to um, uh, George in KZN. Good morning, George.
5: Good morning, Sakina. Uh You know, uh, this is uh, always a problem with, with the CCMA. Uh, it is a norm that uh, employers choose to ignore, to go to CCMA and argue, because they they, see, they feel it, it's cheaper if they don't attend and they will be fined. I, I, I believe the attorney will correct me that... Uh, the, the fine is, is maximum of 12 months now if you can see that uh, for, for anything if the employer has worked for, for the employee has worked for 10 years and there's a dispute and the employer doesn't attend the maximum is uh, is 12 months if I'm correct and it's unfair to most of the employees so uh, 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 th- this case is just a typical case that employers ignore the CCMA and I thought with these uh, new amendment. They will look at that to say, no, if uh, uh, the, the decision of the CCMA is reinstatement, it must be reinstatement. There must be no option for, for, for paying out money because the, the, the Department of Health, I can bet, they will rather pay because they know it's cheaper rather than reinstatement. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, George, let's hear from SIPO in PE. SIPO, you've been equally patient. Thank you.
5: Yes, I have.
0: Uh, and please be bear with me. Sakina, this amendment is a very progressive amendment which seeks to uproot the abusive relationship between the employers and, and agents. What has happened here is a travesty of justice, as the lawyer has said. That is one. The department is wrong and the MEC is wrong. That section amendment simply says if employees have been working for more than three months on renewed terms and if the term of their work has not been defined, they are entitled to permanent employment, whether the employee has post on the organogram or not, whether the employer has budget for those positions, because those employees have been working there, so they will go way back to where they have been working and the employer will sort its mess out in terms of organogram. That's what that section says. But the disappointment is with government that our own government will employ tactics of this nature when it comes to improving lives of our people. And we applaud government for instituting this but this amendment. But the unfortunate thing is the lawyers are advising departments wrongfully because they are banned on making money. I do not know whether MSC falls into this because this is not fair to me. He should have asked the head of department to call you now and sort this mess out. By the way, where is the union here? Where are the colleagues of these, where are the colleagues of these employees? Because whenever there's an, an award, they should go back and tell others that they've been awarded to come back to work, and the union should withdraw uh, its services until this is taken into consideration.
1: Well, Sipo, it was well worth the wait there to hear your views. Thank you so much. That was Sipo in PE. Let's hear from uh, Ngaba in East London. Good morning.
6: Thank you, Satina, for taking my call. Uh, I I was very late and I decided that I would wait for my turn. I cannot let this Mm -hmm. pass. You know, it 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 is very disgusting for the minister to come on air and say, Things that are very strange and unfounded. One, if a default judgment has been conducted in the CCNA, it will never be taken on review. Rather, it will be taken for rescission. Secondly, he says, she says he's waiting for a date in labor court. And he does not want to commit on this one, whether the papers have been served or not. It is very disgusting and very disturbing. What I've done, Sakina, in my area, I'm a practicing attorney. What I've done in my area, I'm collecting all the awards currently because this is a frustration um, of the employees. I understand that those employees that I'm assisting have no money. Mm -hmm. I take all the awards. I bring them to the labor court for them to be certified and get the orders of the court because, as it stands now, orders of the CCMA uh, the awards cannot be executed on the basis that they have not been certified. And it is a frustrating process to certify an award Mm. and make it an order of the the court. And this is what I have done in my community. And in the area where I practice, I do those things free, and I advise and engage other attorneys to engage on that process so that we can bring justice into our living society.
1: (laughs) Good on you. Thank you so much, Lava calling from the East and Cape East London to be specific. So Jeannie, uh, let's just look at um, some of the issues that were raised by the listeners there. George talks about, and Lava and also um, raises that, employers who don't necessarily respect these awards by the CCMA because perhaps they're not punitive enough.
2: I would agree. And not only that, As the previous caller, Mr Naba, the attorney, correctly pointed out, it is a very labour-intensive exercise from a legal point of view to actually make those awards, the CCMA awards, a court order. And I would seriously recommend that there needs to be some kind of a. Registration parts to bridge the gap between an award and a court order to make things so much easier for the employees who cannot afford uh, legal services. They should be able to be in a position where they can effortly, effortlessly have a court order and then personally take it to a sheriff to execute Mm. And um, you know uh, this
1: is unfortunately where we are going to leave it We don't want to start any new um, uh, cases as it were at this point Let me just read some of the messages quickly If one has been harassed at work and the only way of obtaining evidence was to record conversations Will this evidence be accepted in court is a quick question from our SMS line
2: Generally if you tape anybody without the consent of the other person It is inadmissible evidence it depends on the facts in this case, if that is the only evidence which the employee has to substantiate.
1: Michael Mull says uh, verbal agreements are difficult to prove, especially if there was no third party. And Mpo Raboro says, uh, let me see, um, we entered a verbal agreement uh, of nothing, and nothing was signed, and now the other party Doesn't deliver on the promises made. Does the other party then have a case um, that can be decided in court? And as you've heard, um, Paul, yes, Um, you know, uh, if you've been listening throughout the morning, then you would have heard that it certainly can be taken to court, as has been the case um, in uh, with Gareth Cliff, with uh, you know. In, to a certain extent with Mbali and her colleagues. So, yes, indeed. Um, Anthony says 95% of disputes taken to the CCMA end fruitless uh, because of the cost of the Labour Court. CCMA, therefore, is a waste of time. We've touched on that. Um, and then uh, whiskies uh, Ramutla says, we are swimming in a pool of modern slavery and the CCMA um, uh, must... Uh, beat severely again people talking about the ccma and i think there's perhaps um a show to be had with the ccma in terms of what they do in terms of whether they have sufficient bite uh, in this instance to make sure that employers actually do not just you know uh shoo them off because they can so easily but uh, we're out of time jeannie very quickly people want to know where they can get in touch with you
2: Um, Our firm is Roxo Law and our telephone number is 011 622 0960 and my name is Jeannie and if they leave a message and I'm not available I'd always endeavour to get back to people before the end of that day.
1: Thank you so much, uh, uh, Jeannie Carvalho from Roxo Law, that's R-O-X-O. And um, we'll put those details up on our various platforms. And thank you so much uh, for engaging with us this morning. Thanks, Jeannie, for coming through. Thanks, Mbali, Kumalo and her colleagues for also coming. And to the MEC for calling in to clarify their position. It's 9 o'clock and time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.